Welcome to another edition of Peacemakers. I'm your host, uh, Michael Patterson, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Stone Street. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm good, Mike. It's always good to be t- spending time with you. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be together. It seemed like you had a busy week. Oh, man. It has been like a dog's breakfast. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to recover. I'm going to recover now. I'm with you all talking about something good. Yeah, we got some good stuff. Well, you know, I want to encourage our listening audience. You've been with us on this journey as we've been having these conversations about racial reconciliation and reaching out to the community. And uh, some good news. Some of our partners are sharing their resources with the community. I know we talked recently with Ron Blue, and there's going to be this partnership with Best Academy. Yeah, doing the mentoring. I'm the, excited about the that. Mentoring. So we're going to have employees out in the community. Vited Financial, another uh, client of ours, is going to be sponsoring parenting workshops. Great. So Vited is going to be reaching out. And, you know, we just want to help do what we can to bring peace to every corner of our community. We want to start in the homes, then we want to broaden out to the schools, we want to broaden out to the neighborhoods, and hopefully heal this nation by being believers who love each other. Because of what God has done in our lives. And we know many of you have given your time, your resources to help. And today we wanted to give to you. Today we wanted to encourage you. Today we wanted to use this opportunity uh, just to bring a little sunshine into your life and talk about relationships. Yeah, that doesn't always bring sunshine, Mike. (laughs) uh, I'm hoping it will. Of course. Of course, everybody wants a great relationship. Absolutely. Everybody wants to be in love. But let's be honest, the pandemic has been tough. Yep. There are a lot of people who are suffering right now. Hmm. And I believe that it's hard for us to be our best selves in public when things are going on at home. Yeah, it's true. So uh, we have a good friend in town, Marcos Mercado. Marcos and I have known each other a long time. In fact... I was his teen worker. For those of you who are believers, I did teen ministry in the Bronx. And Marcos was one of the first guys to become a Christian. And we've been buddies ever since. I mean, that's right. That's right. I was a teenager and we won't say how old you were, but thank you (laughs) for reminiscing going down memory lane. Not much older than you. But uh, Marcos, share with us um, what you and your wife have been doing just to help in the community. Sound like some exciting things. Wow. So since those days that we... uh, connected and God allowed us to align. And by the way, man, get to see you as well, Nick. Yeah, It's good to be here with you guys, man. Uh, You know, we uh, got here this morning. Uh, Currently, we are in Wilmington, Delaware. And after about almost 25 years of ministry, my wife and I took a leap of faith and we became church planters. We became church planters. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing to hold things together as a church plant is something we've been uh, really passionate about for the last decade, a little bit over a decade now, but about now with the, four, the last 14 years. And it's really a focus on marriage, love, and relationships. Mm. And uh, we, uh, in the, our tenure uh, as a ministry couple uh, serving in different churches, uh, we connected with some really amazing people. Uh, there's one brother in our ministry specifically when we were in Philadelphia was the director of uh, the number one urban radio station uh, mm. in, in the area. His name is Elroy Smith, great brother, uh, great friend. And he came up with this idea of uh, wanting to do uh, like basically to stop the music and wanting to do a show that inspires people about marriage, love and relationships. And 
There were a couple of other folks that were beginning to host it. The short version of it is it landed on, on my desk. Uh, they asked me if I would be interested in doing it. And I did. And I did for almost a decade. We were uh, across uh, different parts of the U.S. And uh, after almost 10 years with this pandemic, things changed a lot. They have changed a lot in well, radio. Let's do a little clarity here. Sure. So you're saying this was a Christian radio station? So it was a gospel station. I would say Christian with a, a, a wider, broader stroke, you would say. Definitely Christian foundation, but mostly uh, focused on gospel and inspiration music. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of the Christian teachings. There's a lot of Christian inspiration. Right. So I would uh, put it more under the category of inspiration. However, uh, they did give me you know, just a, an access to be able to teach and preach and share uh, content from a biblical perspective. And this was done on Sunday mornings. This was done on Saturday mornings. Wow. Uh, Saturday mornings uh, okay. from 8 it's to 10. It's a good time to have your Sabbath. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> time to have Sabbath. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, crossed over so many uh, boundaries. And uh, we've even, you know, like I said, we were in different uh, stations at the same time. And it was always a live show. And so amazing ride. We've had opportunity and you even got to join us there where we've taken some gospel cruises around the world and around the Caribbean. And we've hosted uh, relationship workshops on these uh, cruise ships and in some Caribbean islands. So it's been an amazing ride. Um, My wife and I have been married for 23 years. And so, you know, we share openly, honestly, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. And there are some tools that we've learned along the way. Uh, the scriptures, of course, being the foundation, but I think secondly, relationships. And sometimes people feel that they are supposed to have relationships for business, have relationships for you know education. You don't just learn in a bubble. But when it comes to relationships, we tend to want to be alone and we try to figure it out and we mess it up instead of just being humble and learning from people and having a community of people who are just honest and say, listen, you're going to hit rough patches in your relationship. You're going to question things. You're going to go through different uh, obstacles. If you know, love marriage, then you have children and that brings in uh, a different, you know, dimension and not to mention how many blended families are currently, you know, in existence, probably more than ever in history. And, uh, you know, people are always looking for answers and looking for inspiration. So what we would do is we literally would stop the music for two hours every Saturday morning and talk about marriage, love and relationships from a biblical perspective. And now we do the same thing, but we just do it, um, you know, on a podcast. We do it online. So. OK, so you were in Philadelphia, not the Bible Belt, not known for being no. a religious region of the country. How were people responding to you reading the Bible? They absolutely loved it. As a matter of fact, they were, and even to this day, people would say the the power in what we shared was that we always went back to the scriptures. We always went back. Like, listen, I would even tell you there are some great things we've learned along the way. Science has taught us things. You know, we can learn about cultures, about race. But um, I myself, just as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, I've decided and learned a long time ago that you can learn a lot more when you're humble. Mm. And so I think that's just how you become a Christian, right? You just got to humble yourself and say, I can't do this. I need you, you know, Jesus, you take the wheel. And yet sometimes we feel like there are some things that we can tell Jesus how, how he should go. You know, we feel like we're the navigation, like Jesus, I think you took a wrong turn. It's like, no, I brought you along this path for a reason. 
And we just need to understand that and be humble. But anyway, so as a, a student, man, I tell you, I've asked these questions just like you're asking. Like, why are people who don't seem to that interested in the Bible are sometimes are more interested in a, about learning how to make a relationship work? And I think it's sometimes they get desperate because mm-hmm. they've tried everything else. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you see that, I mean, we know kind of a lot of the statistics on marriages and you know it's hard to be a peacemaker in the community when you don't have any peace at home and you know marcus as you think about it you know what are some of the big broad strokes lessons that you've taken away about having peace between you and your wife and helping others have peace in their marriage relationships wow so so something i learned along the way i don't remember even who said it maybe it's been said multiple times but I was always, as a, as a younger Christian and newer in my faith, even as a newer pastor, I, I used to feel like you have to follow the Bible to get biblical results. And I actually think that that's not true, because there are a lot of people who don't follow the Bible that have good marriages. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how is it then? Well, when you dig a little bit deeper and you look behind the curtain they are working because they follow biblical principles. So in right. a sense, you do have to follow the Bible, mm-hmm. but you may not know. So for example, a thriving marriage must be built on trust, must be built on you know, a, 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 a selflessness, loving the other person as you love yourself, right? These are all biblical teachings. Now, as Christians, we know this. Right. Non-Christians don't, but non-Christians will tell you they want trust. <laughs> and so when you talk about how do you get to trust, you can't really trust someone if they're not, they don't have a fear of God. Like I've been faithful for 23 years in my marriage and I love God, but I don't believe I would. In my family, there was infidelity, you know, sure. my father, my grandfather, like, right. you know, there's like those generational curses, but I'm able to be different because of the Bible. But I've also seen that there are some people who maybe not be ready to surrender their entire lives to Jesus, but they want to surrender their marriages. Yes. So this is a really, I think it's a really interesting concept. And I think it's something that um, believers don't always um, want to uh, acknowledge. And I learned it when really when we lived in Amsterdam, because we lived in a post-Christian society in the Netherlands. And you see these people that have great marriages and great families and it isn't like they were intentionally atheist. Like in the U.S., you almost have to try to be atheist, right? It's like you, you, no, you do. It's Eric almost Metaxas like you're taking wrote, a stand. Eric Metaxas just recently released a book about uh, is atheism dead, and it's interesting. It's a <laughs> yeah. great read. Well, well, the thing there was that it wasn't that they were just you know rabid atheists. It's just they never considered the existence of God because you know God had left the building for the mm-hmm. most part in post-Christian societies. And yet they, you know, they were great friends and they were great parents and they were great uh, husbands and wives. And, and I think sometimes with Christians, you find it confusing. But one of the things I tell people is, you know, you don't have to believe in God to believe in gravity, right? Mm-hmm. You jump mm-hmm. out of a window, you're going to hit the ground, That's whether right. you believe in gravity or not. And, and, and if you don't believe it and you jump out the window and hit the ground, then you were like, okay, I believe now. Yeah. Yeah. It'll help you, right? <laughs> help you come to, to believe. But, you know, that's really interesting. So when you look at that and you dig in, so trust is one of the main components that you found. So, so trust, um, and when you talk about trust, I mean, there's so many layers of it, but it, it starts with, you know, openness and honesty that oftentimes people really want. Um, 
there's wisdom, of course, that we know you can have open and openness and honesty, but you don't want to confess every single temptation. You know, you don't want to come home and tell your wife uh, you had the, the, the hardest day and specifically what some other women were wearing if you were struggling with lust. Right. But you can be open and honest of, hey, we need to step up our romance. Like, I, I need you in my life. You right. know, that, that vulnerability is important. But you can only get that vulnerable when you trust someone. Right. And when many of us who have been hurt, sometimes not even by the person you're married to, you've been hurt from the past. And so you are guarded. And so you're not able to have trust. And some people just don't value trust as much until they realize how much it's needed in order for a relationship to thrive. Right. So trust, absolutely trust, I would say. Um, another one that's really big that I think we, we don't mention enough, and it's it's kind of undermined, and it's the importance of friendship in a marriage. Mm. Like how, like if you're friends, you will overcome a lot. I mean, you really would. And what do you see people doing to build that friendship in a marriage? I mean, I consider my wife Rhonda my best friend. It's not even close. If you ask my kids who's my most important relationship, it is not my kids. Like they've been clear on that from the sure. beginning <laughs> that Rhonda's number one and yeah. I love you all, but you're going to be here and then you're going to be moving out and she's still going to be here. So she's my number one friend. But what do you see as kind of the keys to the friendship in the, in the marriage? So the experts say that you must spend between 15 to 30 hours a week connecting with someone. Oh. Now you might tell yourself, that's a lot. I, I mean, I have work, I have kids, I have, but here's the thing. You, chances are in our culture, you didn't fall in love if you didn't spend even more time than that. Mm-hmm. So meaning that you found a way to make, to it, happen. make it happen over lunch. <laughs> yep. You spend time. I remember, I mean, I'm gonna date myself a little bit before like FaceTime or whatever. It would be late at night, like 11, 1130 at night. And the honeymooners, the the, the TV show would be yeah. on. And my wife and I would sometimes watch an episode together when we were dating. And she'll be on the phone. I'll be on the phone. We'll be watching. We'll laugh together, you know. And and then we've had fond memories of just spending that time on the phone or driving somewhere or finding, you know, we would be at event to, an event together. We worked together in campus ministry. And we would always find a way to be in the same vehicle, right? Drive right. together or be at the same event at the same car. You, you must spend time. So I think it's not intentional that we try not to be best friends, but it is intentional that you spent that time. So when you say that you're Rhonda's best friend and your kids know it, it's because if you had to choose between doing something else and being with your wife, you're going to find, you know, that time to find with your wife. Now, Absolutely. if you can't, you're torn. Right. And you know where your heart is. And she knows that. Right. So she might say, well, this week, but you can't put that off forever. Right. Like every week can be such a hectic week that you neglected your wife. Try that in a year, 52 weeks, you barely spend time. And I guarantee you, you won't be best friends. Mm-hmm. So friendship is very, very important. But it starts with the amount of time you spent together. I so, know you, um, excuse me, Nick, I know you talked about this research at what's it, the Gotten Institute did. So the Gottman Institute does a lot of great research, if you ever looked them up. But also there's a guy out there named Dr. Willard Harley, and he, how vocal can we be, how transparent here? I'll keep it, I'll keep it clean. But Wes knows how to edit. <laughs> well, well here, here's, what, here's what happens. Just say um, what you got to say. Dr. Willard Harley, um, if, if you're familiar with any of his research, is he, when he first started his practice in, in uh, um, 
you know, marriage and relationships and trying to help people. By the time people were coming to him, they were they were hanging by a thread, right? They right. were about to get divorced. So anyway, I'll give you the short version. He started advising people after trying so many things that didn't work. He started telling them just to to make love every day, mm-hmm. okay. like make love every day. Come back in a week, and they well, were like, "Quite an assignment." They're like, <laughs> "But but they hated each other's guts." They were like, "Right? Did okay. you hear us? Like, I hate this man. I hate this woman. Like, I want a divorce." You're just, uh, he's like, well, did you want my help or not? You know, so if you do, <laughs> then go ahead and do it. And so the ones that submitted and did it would come back and they were doing a lot better than they were just in a week. And at first he was like, was it the sex? Like, what was it? And it was the time they were spending. Right. They, mm. Some of these couples were not even talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now, because they're following this assignment, they have to talk about it and they have to, you know, <laughs> stay in bed and talk and all this. So did the sex help? I'm sure it didn't hurt, but it really was the time, right. the time. that they made for it. I mean, and if you're very busy, you have to make that time. Right. To like, man, all right, we got to schedule it. We got breakfast, lunch. <laughs> oh, let's make sure, you know, we're going to be held accountable. So anyway, that that's something we've learned. The Gottman group, on the other hand. They encourage you to have a quality time when you spend together. So they do this thing where they say, go on a date, like physically go on a date and talk about anything you want, except three things. Can't talk about money, can't talk about the kids, and you can't talk about work. Oh my okay. goodness. Now a lot of couples wow. are like, what? Well, what are we talking? But if what you're not careful, <laughs> if you're not careful, these three things will hijack mm-hmm. your conversations. And again, so money, kids, and work. Money, kids, and work. Off it limits. doesn't matter the order. Yeah, yeah the, the, the off limits for that time. Right. Obviously, you got to talk right, about right, these right, things. Right. But when you go on this date, it's like phones off. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about us. So you're like, what do we talk about? So a lot of times, couples realize that. For years they've been married. That's all they've talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and true. now what do we, well, talk about your dreams. Mm-hmm. Talk about your family. Talk about, you know, what you want to do for fun. You know, talk about your intimacy. Just talk about anything, anything. You can talk about a movie. I don't care. But don't talk about, uh, you know, the money. Don't talk about the kids. And, and definitely, you know, don't talk about work. Don't bring your work to it. So, um and and you realize that wow that time is valuable. It's really hard to do, by the way. I can imagine because you know you see these stories where people have raised kids and they've kind of lived their lives mm. uh, through their their relationship is lived through when the, the kids, kids are gone, right? and then the kids are gone and they're looking at each other like I don't even know you and and you see a lot of marriages dissolve mm-hmm. when people become empty nesters and you know for me it's like. Wow, so let's get this last one out of the house so we can move on and be together, right? I mean, I'm right there. My my son, <laughs> I'm literally here. He did a college visit today. Um, so something interesting, a few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Cuba, you know, communist country, first time in a communist country. And one of the, the things we did while we were there was research marriages mm-hmm. and relationships. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, it's... Life is difficult in Cuba. You know, of course, they want to paint this pretty picture. And if you go to certain parts of Havana, it's nice. I mean, as soon as you get there, I mean, you see these amazing cars that are from the 50s and 60s. And it's amazing. You get to ride in them. But, you know, you you kind of pull a few layers. You look behind the curtain and, you know, you realize, first of all, um, it's very difficult. Life is just difficult. You know, financially so not everybody gets married. There's a lot of immorality. Right. Mm-hmm. But when people do get married, 
they most of the time have to live with their parents. Mm. Mm. Okay. And so the divorce rate is huge. But to get a divorce in Cuba, it costs like an, one dollar. Like, like it's so easy and it's so common that couples don't make it that they just can file for divorce mm. for like a dollar. Mm. Like, and I, I was like, what in the world? Why? And, and so again, because there's a lot of immorality, but people can't work on their relationship while they live at home. Like you're just not free to uh, right. argue yeah. and have conversations. Yeah. So there's all this stress. And at the end of the day, you're just like, yeah. I'm calling you quit. So a young couple, you know, we don't recommend that. Now, if maybe you have a situation where, you know, you can live with your parents for a little while where you're saving up or right. there's a separate living quarter, you know, you, you, maybe you can do it. But if you live in a small, tiny house, your parents are there. You could imagine how it would affect it. And that's very common there. So I, I found that really interesting. I, I started to wonder how much, and I don't know if a study has been done in this, how much that's changing too with uh, millennials specifically are getting mm-hmm. married older because they're staying home. Mm-hmm. You know, never, I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen with Gen Z. But, you know, it's like people view marriage very differently now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that's you true. know, from a biblical perspective is, you know, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and become one flesh. And it's yeah. like, what if you take that out of the equation? Leave your father and mother. No, we're staying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no more. It's kind of hard to become. It's kind of hard to become one flesh when mom is in the room next door. You know, maybe there's only a curtain dividing you. That's kind of strange. So maybe that's part of the reason it, it works the way God designed it. And we figure out a way to redesign it. It doesn't work. 